0: You're listening to the drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Daniel Jones, we're ready to go. Super Bowl or bust. We're happy. We're ecstatic, and rightfully so. Because the way Daniel Jones performed today, along with that Giants offense, it was just it was it was a thing of beauty. It really was. This was as good a performance as you could have from a young man who has been fighting to validate his ability to play consistently in the National Football League. A young man who hasn't been available, a young man who turned the football over and over and over, be it interceptions, be it fumbles, a young guy who showed you some flashes, even in his rookie year, showed you some flashes with his completion percentage, his ability to throw, have good touch on the football, but just inconsistency, just turning the football over, just maddening. And then, in a big situation, on the road against a team that was thir- that won 13 games in the regular season, Daniel Jones goes 24 of 35 for 301 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times. He ran for 17- he ran 17 times for 78 yards. Saquon Barkley had two touchdowns rushing along of 28. I mean, he was just, he 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 was, he was, he was just, he was, and Isaiah Hodgkins uh, had a touchdown. He, Daniel Jones was just great. That's the bottom line. He was great. He was dominant. The, the Giants offense really, The only time they got stopped, they kind of stopped themselves. Minnesota really had no answers for them. All night long, they had no answers. You're sitting there watching. You're like, are you going to change something? And we spoke to Jay Bromley earlier, the former Giant. And we were talking about containment. And this is something that Philadelphia, I'm sure, knows firsthand because they played the Giants a lot. And they will clearly see it on the video when they watch the game, watch back the game from today. And that was the defensive front's inability to contain Daniel Jones and keep him in the pocket. And when I say keep him in the pocket, meaning you know he's going to run, but not give him a berth where he can run wide. Because now that that makes your defense have to spread out all over the place. And that's something that Minnesota could never consistently do. And that was set the edge, so that Daniel Jones would have no place to go but to step up. They did that a couple of times and that led to some of the sacks, the one of the 3 that he had. But for the most part he ran like he there was wide open spaces and there were. And I'm just going to tell you something. <laughs> the giant the the Minnesota offensive line is going to have nightmares of Dexter Lawrence all night. They just are. Because they had no answer for him. They couldn't block him. They couldn't block him. And and he pressured Kirk Cousins and pressured Kirk Cousins and pressured Kirk Cousins constantly. Constantly. And so that was the other issue why Minnesota lost the game. Kirk Cousins, 31 of 39, 273 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks. That's not bad. Those aren't bad numbers, right? He didn't turn the football over. He just couldn't make the big play when he needed to. And I know it was early, but the play call where Cousins threw to Jefferson and they were going to throw it back, when you only needed a yard or two, I, what are you doing? What are you doing? The way your defense was playing, you needed to score. You, I get the trick plays. I get, to, we've got to roll the dice, have a big play. I understand the thought process behind it, but not on third and one. Get the first down. If you're a Minnesota, it's, keep the drive going. And they missed an opportunity to score there. Because they they were driving, especially as I mentioned, because your defense wasn't stopping anybody. I mean, the Giants, the Giants had drives like nineteen plays and fifteen plays, and they would just take up. I mean, it took They had a nineteen play, ten minute plus drive in the second quarter. I mean, they would get the ball deep in their territory and just march it right down the field, methodically. Either Barkley's running or Jones is running. Or they they find a play to a Slayton or a James or one uh, another play or Hoskins they just they they just found ways to continue to move the football up and down the field, and Minnesota had no answers for them, none they couldn't come up with anything, nothing to stop them and the Giants just marched up and down the field marched up and down the field now the Giants had some issues defending. Minnesota as well. But they did but Minnesota didn't, didn't have the time, didn't have the, you know, time of possession that the Giants had. And they just, they would answer each other and they just answered each other. But for me, what make, what Wink Martindale was able to do by taking Justin Jefferson out of that offense after the first quarter was amazing. I think Jefferson had about 20, 20 to 25 yards in the first quarter right on a couple of plays, he ended up with 47 yards on seven receptions. His longest of the night was 10 yards. I mean you'll'll you you'll you'll settle for that. You will definitely settle for that. That's a win. Now Hawkinson, as I as I said to Gordon, that would be the guy that the Minnesota has a chance to win. He has to get going because you figured that at some point in time, Wake Martindale was going to take Justin Jefferson away. That's what great defensive coaches do. That's what the coordinators do. They scheme. They can't stop everything, so they scheme. Okay, what do you like to do most? Okay, I'm taking that away. And if you don't, Belichick has made a career doing that. The difference with Belichick is he takes one or two things away from you. <laughs> Not just one thing. He takes one or two things away. So you had to give up something. So what you did was, you, you know, You took Jefferson and Thielen away. Thielen, three receptions, 50 yards. Jefferson, seven receptions, 47 yards. Hawkinson, you couldn't take everything away. Ten receptions, 129 yards. But none of those three guys got into the end zone. So that was the major thing. So listen, Giants now in a great position. They come back. They'll get ready. They will face a familiar foe in the Philadelphia Eagles next weekend in Philly. And they've got a great shot to go in there and advance. They do. It's a divisional opponent whom they know, whom they understand. And while Philly understands them too, listen, you're you're a team that's playing this week. All right? You're the team that's coming off playing. Obviously, Philadelphia enjoyed the rest. It's another week for them to get their quarterback right. He's going to be healthier than he was when he faced the Giants week 18. So he's going to be ready to go. And they'll practice and practice. And I'm sure they practiced this week. I, You know, yeah, they weren't playing, but they practiced. And they have to get their guys back in shape, in game shape, and get ready to get a rhythm. And they'll be practicing hard all week. And they know what to expect. They're going to expect a physical battle where Daniel Jones is going to try to run the ball. But the difference is the Giants right now guys who are catching the football, they have a rhythm going. There is a chemistry that Daniel Jones has with these receivers.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Cincinnati and Baltimore. Cincinnati up 24-17. It's 4th and 20. Eight seconds left. And I got to say, if you are if you're Baltimore right now and you're looking at this situation and you're like we had the ball at the goal line going for a touchdown and we should be up 24 17. oh you know Baltimore almost came up with that game with that ball and it's a fumble. And a defensive player runs it back 97 yards, and that's how you lose the game. That's that's hard. That's hard. That that's a tough one. Like you'd rather get blown out than to be in a situation like that. I mean, Harbaugh just—I I don't even know if he said. I don't even—he he didn't say good luck. He just said good good. good. He left gone. <laughs> it's tough. That's a tough one. That's a tough one to lose. But Cincinnati advances. And, uh, you know, they're still in the mix. So Baltimore's going home. Yesterday, Saturday's scores. Geno Smith did played good in the first half, but Frisco took over in that second half. Seattle lost 41-23. Real close first half, as I mentioned. But the second half, Brock Purdy stretched out a little bit. 18 of 30 for Purdy. 332 yards and three touchdowns. And that San Francisco offense was humming. And their defense is really good. They're going to be a tough out, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just saying. They're going to be a tough out. I I know eventually you expect that. Purdy's going to come down and play the way a rookie is supposed to play in these situations who hasn't gotten a lot of playing time and whom you would say, okay, look, it's, it's, it's eventually going to be too – the situation is eventually going to be too big for him. And he's going to come back and he's going to come back and make, make some mistakes, right? That, that's what you're figuring. When is that going to happen? Well what's so good for him is the fact that his defense keeps games close. So all he has to do is very simple, not turn the football over. Okay? And do what he's supposed to do. Move the ball, move the ball down the field. Not make mistakes and keep them rolling. And that's what he's been able to do. And what has, once again, what has made it easy for him has been the fact that his defense has played at an elite level. And so that's what you're seeing right now. Right? So, um, you know, they're playing very well. They're playing very well. It's going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out. They're going to be a tough out. The game that everybody's talking about and shaking their heads happened last night. Chargers were up 24 nothing, 27 3 in the first half. They're going to lose 31 30. Here's Trevor Lawrence stats. Ready? 28 of 47 for 288 yards, four touchdowns, and four interceptions. I mean, when you have four in the first half, I mean, in the playoffs, you, you very rarely come back from a four-interception game. That's hard to do. First of all, you're usually taken out of the game. <laughs> but Peterson stuck with him, and he bounced back, and he found a way to win. Justin Herbert, 25 of 43, 273 yards, one touchdown. I mean, that's that's going to be a tough one that you have to worry about also, right? That's going to be a tough one. going to be a tough one. And then the earlier game today, the first game we saw was Skylar Thompson, 18 to 45, 220 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Miami loses to Buffalo 41-31, and that was that game was close. A lot of people did not, I tell you. You you could not have expected that game to be that close. Make that 34-31 for Buffalo Miami. You could not have expected that game to be that close. If you're Buffalo and you're and, and you're looking at Miami with a third string quarterback in Thompson and what high powered this Buffalo Bills offense has been this season? I mean, you're expecting that you're going to roll You're expecting that you're going to be in great shape. You're expecting that this is going to be, like, over early. But Josh Allen had three touchdowns, but he had two interceptions. He was sacked seven times. I mean, you think about this. The Miami defense forced two interceptions and sacked Josh Allen seven times. I mean, if you're a Miami fan, if you're Gordon Damer, All right, you you would have been ecstatic. That's all your your, your defense did, all you could ask and more. But there's several things that hurt Miami in the game, okay? A couple of them was their inability to get plays off in time. Clock running down, had to call timeout, took penalties. It was a mess. And getting the plagues in on time. I don't know what was going on. I don't know what happened. But they just couldn't do it. The other thing was. Which was really amazing. Was Tyreek Hill. And Jalen Waddell. Uncharacteristically dropped passes. That you normally don't see them do. And these were passes. That would have really helped them out. In keeping drives going. I mean, they could have shocked the world and beat Buffalo in Buffalo today if Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle played their game. Now, are the chemistry, they don't have the chemistry that they normally have because it's Skyler Thompson, whatever, whatever the excuse you want to have, whatever the reason. But they were a couple, and right in their hands, there were a couple of passes that they should have caught. They would have changed the momentum. It would have changed the whole thing. As it is, Buffalo advances. Interesting. We'll continue the conversation on The Drive next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: My Twitter nephew says, Uncle L, Uncle L, huge win for my Giants. Shane, too, offers to – here's what Shane's two offers to DJ, Daniel Jones, should be. Three years, 90 million, 75 million guaranteed, or max out three years, 105 with 90 million guaranteed. Are those fair? Yes, they are. I think the first one is probably closer to what they may do. And Jordan Runon has just announced Giants Eagles 815 Saturday night. Okay, so Giants Eagles 815 Saturday Let's night go! in Philadelphia. All right, the schedule is now set. Saturday, four thirty, Jacksonville at Kansas City. Okay, Jacksonville at Kansas City, four thirty. Giants and Philadelphia, eight fifteen. Sunday, the three o'clock game will be Cincinnati at Buffalo. That's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Six thirty, Dallas or Tampa at San Francisco. Okay, so that's your. Four, four, that's your eight, your elite eight. If We were talking March Madness. That's your elite eight next weekend. Once again, Jacksonville at Kansas City, 430. Giants at Philadelphia, 815. Sunday, Cincinnati at Buffalo at three. Dallas or Tampa Bay at San Francisco on Fox. Yeah, so uh, Jay Blaze, I think the first one's more what I think they'll do because they, you know, they need they got some other folks they got to get so they need some they need some more signings they're going to do and they need some other players but i think that's fair 3 years 90 million 75 million guaranteed it's pretty good for a guy whose 50 year option wasn't picked up <laughs> jones having a judge like season huh joe leo joe having the daniel jones having a judge like
0: it's close. If he wins the Super Bowl, now I'm going, I'm going deep here. But if he uh-huh. wins the Super Bowl, there could be a conversation: who had the better walk here, Judge with the sixty-two homers, or Jones with the Super Bowl? If he wins the Super Bowl, it would be Jones because he won the championship. Uh, it's close. It I mean, close. that 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 be. AL home run record is prestigious. It is. It is. Nobody can take it away from him.
1: It's his. He's had it. He's got it for right now.
0: Who's gonna get more dough though? Because you know, the fifth year option compared to like, is it gonna mm-hmm. be a greater increase in in money? Because Judge what he increased his value by a hundred and fifty million or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is what's Jones gonna increase his from the fifth year option to whatever the co- the contract's gonna be?
1: Well, listen, the guaranteed money alone increases him. <laughs> Seventy five. If that if that guarantee. If, if they do what the uh, j play says and they guarantee him seventy five million that's not bad and that's guaranteed so he gets that regardless even if even if he fails miserably he got his seventy five million it's good to go he's good
0: imagine he's good. saying that in August though
1: uh no nobody would have thought that
0: no seventy five for jones they they would have said total <laughs> but that just goes to show
1: you right that and, you know, I was listening to one of the uh, ads that Dominic Foxworthy said, and he is so right. And there are exceptions, right? But you do have to... The, there's a lot of bad coaches in the National Football League. And so you look, and I was listening to Jimmy Johnson in one of the one of the post-game shows, and he was saying, as you look, as you look around the league, you can see the mistakes Made by players because they're not coached up. And it shows this time of the year, ladies and gentlemen, this is when it shows. When you play the elite teams, when you play teams who uh, understand what it takes to get here, when you understand, when you play teams whose coaches understand what it takes to get here and what you do, uh, there's a difference. That's the difference. And so, once again, we said from early on that Dayball was going to be coach of the year. Dayball was going to be coach of the year. You could see it just from the middle of the season on, what he'd done with this Giants team. And the further they go, the more it cements his, his, his coach of the year uh, situation. Okay? For this team, going to the divisional round, I mean, people were like, they're not going to win five games, divisional round. They've been great. They've been great. And um, just look at them. Just look what they've been able to do. And they're gaining momentum. And for Giant fans, it's like, you know, this is what we normally do. This is what we see them. We don't think about. And look, I'm not going to compare this team to the Super Bowl teams because there's no comparison. They're, this team is not as good. It seems not as good. But the, but the path is similar. The path is similar. It got hot late, and they just roll into the postseason. This team actually got kind of came back to the pack late. They were hot early, had some losses, but they found a way to get rolling, and look at where they are now. So, once again, it's, it's a team that doesn't make mistakes. It's a team that doesn't hurt themselves by turning the football over. They turn you over, although they didn't do that today. And they still found a way to win. So they are moving on to Philadelphia, as we mentioned. We were talking, we were reviewing kind of what happened on uh super wild card weekend. And that brings us to we were talking about the earlier game today with Buffalo. And I, I'm gonna tell you this if Buffalo plays today, if they play next week the way they play today, they're not beating Cincinnati. They're not beating Cincinnati. If Josh Allen goes twenty three of thirty nine, three touchdowns and two picks, I don't—they're not beating Cincinnati because Burrow. And this is, this is a really, really tough. This is going to test that Buffalo defense because Jamar Chase is no joke. <laughs> He's good. Joe Burrow's good, and Burrow got sacked a little bit. I'm listen. Buffalo's defense was not bad. I mean, Baltimore's defense. I'm sorry, was not bad. They played well. They were right in there. They did a decent job. Buffalo's defense was pretty good. It was just the uh, it was just the offense struggled, and as you would expect. But you know, not to have. I mean, no Lamar Jackson. You. you I think he makes a difference. Now, Huntley didn't play badly. He was there. Although he's going to kick himself for, you know, that, that that turnover at the goal line. He's going over the top. The ball gets knocked. He's trying to put the ball over the, to break the plane. He's going over the top. The ball gets knocked loose and is run back 90-plus yards by, by defensive lineman. And that's how you lose the game. That is, man, that's a rough one. Like I said, I don't know how you get over that, man. I don't know how you get over that one. I don't know how you get over it. But nevertheless, our lead Eight is all set, so next week is going to be interesting. Well, it's almost all set. We just got to wait and see what happens tomorrow night. And this is a fascinating matchup, right? Because on paper, you would think that Dallas's defense, with the way the offensive line has struggled for Tampa Bay, with the way that Tom Brady has not played the way he normally plays, but the way that he has been inconsistent this year, you would say, even though they're home, on the 500 team with a division winner, unbelievable. But even though they're home, you would say that Dallas should win that game. You would think Dallas will win that game. But with the... Situation that Dallas has been in. With the way Dallas has played. With the way Dak Prescott has played. With his inability to not have turnovers. To have turnovers in seven consecutive games. I mean, that's just... The, and Brady has always beaten them. They've never beaten Tom Brady. I mean, that's... That's a... That, that's a tough spot. Now, I would think that they'll be able to come up with something, and like I said, defensively, Dallas is going to have to win that game. Dallas is going to have to really put forth the effort to set a tone for that game, to set the tone. But that Prescott turned the football over, you clearly have concerns about Mike McCarthy and his ability slash inability for clock management. I can easily see how Dallas would lose this game. How Todd Bowles would come up with a blitz package that would be ready to confuse Dak Prescott so he would think he's seeing one thing when he isn't. I mean, it would be interesting. It should be a good game. It should be a good game. We'll find out. More of your calls and thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.